Hello, everyone. The West is losing its access and influence in Africa. Just another string of defeats. Hello, I'm Dr. Chris Martins here. We got to talk about Africa today. Maybe you've heard about the coup or the revolution, depending on your terminology in Niger. And this is important because of where we are in the world resource story. This is a, a very, very big deal. But it's maybe operating under the surface. And for sure, if you've been getting your information from the news, the Western news, you are misinformed, malinformed, disinformed. It's just a problem these days. So let's go there. Let's talk about losing Africa at what I consider to be a very awkward, if not terrible time in global history. This is how the Beeb, the BBC would have put it. They say Wagner, the, the Russian mercenary group, the Niger coup, Wagner taking advantage of instability, says Anthony Blinken. Um, and look at this. U.S. Secretary of State uh, warned that every single place that this Wagner group has gone has led to death and destruction uh, and exploitation has followed. So this is what you call a projection, because if you look at the history of the West in Africa, it is one of death, destruction and exploitation. I mean, come on, France and Algiers through the 50s and 60s, dare I say, I don't know, the Netherlands and Congo back in the day. I mean, it's just it's really uh, this is a, a fairly tone deaf statement for uh, Anthony Blinken to be making at this point. But of course, if the U.S. State Department wasn't tone deaf, what would it be? Um, pretty much nothing at that point. Uh, so another State Department spokesman, Matthew Miller, he doesn't understand why Niger loves Russia so much. Uh, so let's explain to this guy in brief rights, Megatron underscore Ron here. It's because, quote, for 100 years already, private corporations of yours and those in France have been draining Niger's resources of heavy billions of dollars, throwing them only some ridiculous, and I would say paltry, sums as some kind of help. Even though Niger has huge reserves of uranium, 80% of the population is without electricity. And you could have built at least one nuclear power plant for them. Children are forced to work in mines for a piece of bread while you and your colleagues in the Biden administration take all these heavy billions for these corporations. So that's how it's seen. Now, Niger had a what is being described in the West as a coup other people would call it a revolution. What's the difference? Well, a coup is when you don't like what the outcome was. A revolution is when the people feel like they had to do something to finally overthrow uh, government after a long strain, you know, train of usurpations. And it did it. I mean, did the United States back in the revolutionary days, was that a coup or was that a revolution? Well, we won. So we call it a revolutionary war. So coup or revolution, let's talk about it now. Um, <laughs> so... Deep Blue Crypto writing here, burn of the century. The revolutionary government of Niger has responded to the suspension of U.S. aid by telling the U.S., we don't want your money. Use it to fund a weight loss program for Victoria Newland. End quote. Ooh, ouch. Ooh, ooh. Maximum oof on that one. <laughs> That's just, uh, I'm not a fan of Victoria Newland. Everywhere she goes, we do see death, destruction, and exploitation. We've seen it over and over again because she represents the neocons and the neocons are a strain of thinking. They occur all across the government. It's neither left nor right. They span multiple administrations, but they believe in one thing. Might makes right that the whole world ought to follow what the U.S. dictates. They're very tone deaf people. They're always surprised that we're not greeted or our troops aren't greeted with flowers as liberators. Uh, strangely enough, People in their own countries don't like being invaded and bombed and killed. It's it's really weird thing. Constantly confuses them. So Niger basically just ooh, not not impressed with Victoria Newland. 
rightly so potentially. So they say military coup, the people there might say liberated from the colonialists. These are all the places. See the pattern here? Do you see where these so-called coups have happened since 2020? Guinea, Burkina Faso, Mali, Niger, uh, Chad, Sudan. So this is this is the Sahel belt. And it's pretty interesting that we see that belt sort of breaking along here. Now, let's remember some history here, because if you look, you see Niger there with that flame right in the middle. Let me get my drawing tool out, because you, you know how I, I like my drawing tool here. Um, doo, doo, doo. Come on over here. Ah, there we go. I shall get this. There it is. Okay, so we have um, Niger here, uh, and come on, drawing tool, come with me. There we go. You know what this is right here? That's Libya. And, of course, Niger being right next door and sharing a border with Libya probably paid attention when this went down in 2011, NATO under the, let's say, the, the heavy prodding of Hillary Clinton and at the time Nicolas Sarkozy of France, converted Libya from a really prosperous nation into a place that by 2017 was um, having open-air slave markets and really destroyed. So it went from very prosperous to basically a complete hellhole. And that's because of what Hillary Clinton and Nicolas Sarkozy led, and that's what NATO went forward with. So when you're thinking about who's the good guys, or are we the baddies here? Um, you sometimes have to understand your history a little bit. So headline, Africans are being sold at Libyan slave markets. Thanks, Hillary Clinton. That's a USA Today editorial and opinion columnist, Glenn Reynolds, writing this here. And the subhead says, quote, we came, we saw he died. Hillary Clinton joked. If you haven't seen the clip, it's really quite chilling. I mean, this is full on psychopathic, narcissistic behavior. She's literally laughing, not only about the fact that Muammar Gaddafi died, but the manner in which he died, which if I won't go into it here, but if you look it up, it's particularly gruesome, okay? Um, but he writes here, overthrowing Gaddafi was a humanitarian and a strategic debacle that now limits our options on North Korea, as well as in North Africa, as well as all over the place. This is a huge stain on U.S. history. And it's one that I think a lot of people just hope we can just sort of waltz past and not look at. But, but let's compare here, Libya under Gaddafi. And I love context, so Context is important. That's why I go into this stuff. Once you understand the context, current events, not just like, oh, there's this coup. It came out of nowhere. It must be because there's some bad people there. Uh, no, it's happened because of this kind of context. So under Gaddafi, before the bombing in, by NATO in 2011, healthcare, education, electricity were widespread. In fact, if you needed healthcare in Libya that you could not get within Libya, they would fly you and another person anywhere in the world to get that treatment. Second, there was virtually no homelessness, no illiteracy. People could get interest-free loans all the time. In fact, when people bought houses there, the house mortgage cost was limited to 10% of their salary. Think that one through. Citizens received a percentage of all the oil sales. So that was that was terrible because no no Western companies can come in and take those uh, uh, for themselves, they, they nationalized the oil industry, but then used it actually for the good of their own people. That set Gaddafi literally apart from nearly every other oil-based dictator out there. Uh, and But most importantly, under Gaddafi, Libya backed a pan-African gold-backed currency. That was the cardinal sin, as far as I'm concerned. That was a straw too much on the camel's back for colonialists, for France in particular, because right next door in Algiers, even though the whole European Union is under something called the euro, which you know about, the euro system, 
um, Algiers is still operating under the French franc. And it's a it's anybody who operates the currency has a tremendous exorbitant privilege and is able to use that to really leverage and take things from that country through financial means, which of course means you don't do any work, but you receive all the benefit. That's what financialization offers. Now, after Gaddafi, after NATO came in and took him out, now it's an open air slave market. There's a civil war raging in there. The refugees are flooding Europe. There's an eruption of extreme violence, destabilization, standards of living have fallen, illiteracy and homelessness spiking, death and despair and destruction and exploitation are now all over the place. Now, what was it that Secretary of State Blinken was warning what happened if Wagner came in? Oh, those things. So it's really hollow to come in and lecture people about how these bad things that are about to happen when you are unwilling to look at your own violent, destructive, exploitative past. So that's the point here. Now, um, I'm a big believer in this idea that if you break it, you buy it. So on the left there, 2007, that is Tripoli, that is in Libya, and there's that same shot. You can uh, identify some of the same things there before and after, right? So that's the same photo, just taken five years apart, four years apart. And that's what the whole thing looks like now. It's just, it's destroyed. The country got destroyed. So now as we look here and we say, oh, okay, so if this is the Sahel region here and here's, um, you know, we got Libya up here and all these players down here have taken note of the storied past of France and Algeria, what happened with NATO and Libya, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Now it begins to make a little bit more sense. So let's go back to the Niger story here really quickly. Megatron again, August 9th, saying that French troops actually attacked the Nigerian National Guard, violated the country's airspace, according to the military's junta in Niger. So they're very unhappy with that. Now, why would France, you know, bother with such niceties as like your, your borders, serenity, airspace? Come on. That's not really yours. It's ours. And of course, that's the colonialist mindset, which France, if you look at their, their history, they were some bad people. Their colonial practices were very bad. In fact, the long history of colonialism coming out of Europe is not a pretty bad history all the way through. And of course, these are the people who ended up having to live through that. Now, Richard here, also on Twitter, asking the right question, says, hey, France has the fourth largest gold reserves at 2,436 tons without a single gold mine in France. Mali, which was occupied by France, does not have any gold reserves in its banks, although it has 800 gold mines and produces 50 tons a year. How did France get all that gold? They must have worked for it, I guess. So this, again, talks about the exploitation, which is often done through all manner of, of bribery, coercion, corruption. But the biggest corruption of them all is the legalized corruption that we call the fiat-based money system because the issuing country just prints it out of thin air and then buys things like thousands of tons of gold, buys them with this uh, piece of paper. And that's that's the long and the short of it. So here's why Africa's getting pretty interesting. Here's the context you need to understand this story in its full depth. So first up, these in red, these are all of the countries that have signed military agreements with Russia. And once you understand actually what's going on in Ukraine and the Ukraine war and how Russian military hardware is behaving, and also once you understand the nature of the relationships historically and also currently, you will understand why this map is the way it is. So, so the West, collectively the West, is losing the last untapped continent for resources to the East. And I'm putting Russia in that uh, Eastern bucket at this, in this sort of a framework. 
So this is what's starting to create the alarm. And of course, you're going to have the usual platitudes out there coming from the U.S. Department of State, from France's uh, foreign ministry and things like that, where they're going to talk about the importance of democracy, human rights, um, how very worried they are for the people of Africa suddenly that they're going to be treated poorly or something like that. So at any rate, but what they're really concerned about is that this is a rich continent. In fact, it's the last rich continent left on the entire planet. So Apollo writing here, and by the way, uh, coming in his uh, handle is at real CEO of Antifa. I'm not sure I can really support that handle entirely. In fact, I don't, if that's what I think I says, but this is reasonable context here. And I think this is actually correct. So that's why I'm putting it forward here, because I will listen to anybody if they have good data that seems to provide good context. So writing here, uh, he wrote, what would you say is the richest continent on the planet? Surely it's got to be Europe or North America, right? Nope. It's Africa. Africa is home to 30% of the world's mineral reserves, 8% of the world's natural gas that we know about so far and is very largely unexplored, 12% of the world's oil reserves, same comment, 40% of the world's gold, 90% of the world's chromium, 90% of the world's cobalt, and 85% of the world's platinum. By the way, it also holds 65% of the world's arable land. This is a big deal. By the way, Africa, if you just look at a globe, it, the globe kind of cheats Africa for how much how big it is. It's enormous. You can fit all of the United States and all of Europe comfortably within its borders if you juggle the pieces around. And um, it, it's really a huge, huge place. Now, um, if we look at this, truthfully, the continent is barely scratched, but we can see here, look at these resources. Oil, I highlighted oil, gold, copper, cobalt down there in the DRC. Uh, this is a lot of minerals, a lot of mineral resources, but the people of Africa are really feeling like they've been just exploited, that these resources have been taken. The main value of those resources has just been lifted away from them and taken somewhere else. In fact, Michael Parenti wrote, poor countries are not underdeveloped. They are overexploited. This is the rats in a cage thing that's starting to come forward. People are starting to resist, you know, this cage that they feel that they're in. We're starting to see these many, many disruptions come forward. We're going to see more of that. This is a great turning point in collective human history. And for Africa, this is going to be a gigantic moment when they can finally potentially take their own wealth and use it to benefit their own peoples going forward. But first, you got to pick some good partners who are going to help you do that because we none of us can do any of these things alone. Now, Let's turn to Burkina Faso, uh, which is uh, very much in, you know, got a border with Niger there, but is now very much in support of what's going on in Niger. And of course, they had their own coup, but we'll call it a revolution. But I really like how um, how Ibrahim Traor has put this. Let's listen in. There's subtitles on this. Uh, he's speaking in French. So if you speak French, follow along. The question that my generation suppose are the following. Si je peux me résumer, c'est de ne pas comprendre comment l'Afrique, avec tant de richesses sur notre sol, avec une nature généreuse, de l'eau, du soleil, en abondance, l'Afrique est aujourd'hui le continent le plus pauvre. L'Afrique est un continent affamé. Et comment se fait-il que les chefs d'État traversent donc le monde à mendier Voici des questions que nous nous posons et que nous n'avons pas de réponse jusque-là. Nous avons l'occasion de tisser de nouvelles relations. Ah. Et j'espère que ces relations 
puissent être les meilleurs pour donner un meilleur avenir à nos peuples. Pour ce qui concerne le Burkina Faso, aujourd'hui nous sommes confrontés depuis plus de huit ans à la forme de manifestation la plus barbare, la plus violente du néocolonialisme, de l'impérialisme. L'esclavage compte encore à nous imposer. Ooh, check that out, right? So, so that's a very interesting statement he's put forward there. And there's a lot of context. So Africa has very blessed sun, water, arable land, mineral resources, all of those things. And yet you have people who are starving and yet they're, they're not enjoying very much of that prosperity. Now, what's happened is very typical where the people who come in, the neocolonialists who come in to extract the resources from an area, they don't leave enough, really. They leave a pittance behind. They want all of it. Very greedy, right? This happens to our own farmers in the U.S., right? Where if you look at a box of cornflakes, it costs $6. Maybe 10 cents of the actual value is the cost of the corn that's in that, right? The rest of that is all going to somebody else. So the farmers are left with this like razor thin, barely enough to get by sort of a profit margin compared to the rest of the system. That is the nature of what we call capitalism but it's not really capitalism. It's extractive and it's exploitative. And of course, that's the thing that we find more and more people are waking up to and saying, eh, not so much for that. Now, um, may he have great protection because he's 35 years old. Ibrahim Traor of president now of Burkina Faso has already expelled French troops, banned uranium and gold exports to France. Oops. And the United States of America and allied with neighboring Niger, Guinea and Mali to defend their region from invaders. So things are starting to heat up over there as if we needed one more hotspot. But, you know, there is another way to go about all of this. And so I'd like to just look at here very quickly what an alternative approach might look like. Oh, that's a really nice building that's going in there. You can see the cranes and uh, that's an actually, it's a really nice modern uh, built thing. Let's go on the inside. Oh, the inside's very nice. Um, this is pretty fascinating. What is this? shiny new beautiful looking building here um turns out that zimbabwe's new parliament building fully funded and constructed by china and sl Compton is writing here maybe the us and you should try such projects rather than constructing military bases stealing resources staging coups and starting wars in africa just a different approach this one wins friends and influences people the staging coups and stealing stuff it doesn't begin you get you a lot of lot of friends right so it's going to be, if you're just, again, reading or watching Western news, you either don't know at all about what's going on in Africa right now or you're misinformed because they're going to try and tell you that this is a, a very unpopular, it's a coup, and you know what happens with coups. The, the military, a strongman comes in and, and they blast their way in and then they have to barricade themselves because, you know, you wouldn't want to be out among the people because people don't like it when you violently seize power from them. But uh, hold up. W what is this? Uh, let's look now at how... Um, Ibrahim Tror is being greeted by um, pretty happy with this whole outcome and are, are pretty much uh, tired of the past hundred years of colonial 
exploitation, death, and destruction. So maybe uh, Anthony Blinken of the U.S. State Department ought to maybe, maybe just brush up on a tiny bit of history because, you know, understanding where people are coming from is often a, a, an important part to diplomacy and getting through uh, <laughs> you might want. Um, but let's... Let's contrast that last image with this. This, a lot of people haven't seen this, but this is a shot of... Hey guys, we're here at the um, inauguration. It's the most bizarre scene you ever saw in your life. <clears throat> There's like a hundred people at the Biden inauguration. That's the whole thing. And um, it's dystopian. So... There's nobody here. There's, There's like more people up here with the press, the press were pushed all the way back overlooking the Capitol than there are at the inauguration. A few hundred people uh, we're here with Fox thing. News and CNN and <clears throat> this guy, great. This guy, Eric, is great from TBN. He's a Middle oh, East yeah. correspondent. <clears throat> really great coverage. Um, you know, crazy, conservative. So, again, it's freezing here. It's like 25 degrees. It's snowing. Um, Kamala Harris and Amy Klobuchar came across them. I was like, that's an interesting point of view that we've got right there. All right. So with that, um, I'm going to be comparing that, though, to the fact that the United States is completely unprepared for war with China. But, man, we're provoking one. That's going to be part two. That is for my subscribers back at Peak Prosperity. If you want to understand this level of context, like we just went through with Africa, we've got some other things we have to talk about with respect to China. The United States is definitely pushing towards a war with China, another bad idea in a sea of bad ideas. I'm very, very critical of the United States' approach diplomatically, geopolitically. I actually believe in forging alliances. I believe that we should treat everybody with respect. A win-win is always better than a club take sort of an approach. But the United States and Europe in general is really wedded to a very extractive, very damaging past. And they don't seem to have the cultural let's say, bones to put together a different response out of the United States State Department or any of the foreign ministries out of Europe collectively. So this is going to get a little bit worse before it gets better. But we're watching now in real time. This is going down on our watch. We're watching countries like China and Russia winning friends and influencing people in countries all over the place, particularly countries that we need desperately to have good relationships with if we want to have a prosperous future because they have the resources that we would want. We can't take them, but maybe we have something we could offer in exchange. You know, like good, decent people who have good business practices and a finely tuned sense of morality would do. So with that, if you want to hear about what's going on with China, come by Peak Prosperity and uh, join and become a member there. And we would be loving to have you there because we have a fabulous community of folks there. So with that, thank you very much for listening. We will see you here next time. And um, please, Pay attention to what's going on out there in the world because things are happening quickly. With that, I'm tuning out for now. We will see you next time. Chris Martinson here. Bye-bye.